Well, thank you for coming to church today, and I want to give a special shout out to all the men who showed up yesterday and cleaned the parking lot off. They did a great job, didn't they? I tell you, with all the snow pushed to the edges, it looked like we're Fort Carville First Baptist Church, right? Hey, take your Bibles today and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I want to speak to you on this subject, the storm. Not the snowstorm, but the storm. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he faced overwhelming challenges. These included the constant drain of his emotional and spiritual energy as he ministered to people who hurt. They didn't have hospitals in those days. They didn't have the helps that we have today. And people realized that if I'm going to get the help I need, I've got to some way get to Jesus and Jesus was so compassionate and loving and full of grace and mercy. And he ministered to people in need. But that proved to be a challenge because it was to the point where they didn't even have a chance to, he and his disciples didn't have a chance to get alone and even eat a meal together. But there was another challenge and it was the, the challenge of seeing so many people take the message that he preached, the gospel that he came to bring, and turn a deaf ear to it. So many people did that. To put it bluntly, Jesus was worn out. After a day of teaching to an enormous number of people, Mark records the following. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and 36. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Speaking of the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Now, going over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee involved a, a, about a, a six-mile journey. The Sea of Galilee is not like the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean. It's, it's a rather small body of water, but it's called the Sea of Galilee. And this body of water is approximately 690 feet below sea level. It is surrounded by hills with narrow gorges that act as wind tunnels from time to time. The prevailing easterly winds were known to swoop down through those gorges and um, uh, to form a tremendous downdraft. And in a matter of minutes, the Sea of Galilee could go from perfectly calm to a ferocious, vicious storm. And that's the kind of storm that rocked the disciples' lives on this particular evening. For the next few moments, I want us to explore this story together. And I want us to see what we can learn about the storms of life. 
As I began to, to think about the storms of life, I, I, I thought about the fact that some storms come into our life as a result of discipline. Because we have made foolish decisions and we're suddenly thrust into a storm as a consequence of our foolish decision. Some storms are demonic in nature. We read about Job and Satan appeared before the throne of God and asked permission to go after Job and his family. And God granted him permission, and it was a, a demonic attack on this righteous man known as Job. And, and some storms in our life are developmental in purpose. Sometimes the Lord himself allows us to go through a storm to develop us spiritually. Now, the thing I want you to see in this story is that you must trust Jesus when you're in a storm. For whatever reason, you must trust Jesus. Now, this is vital, number one, because of the mystery of life's storms. Look at verse 37. And there arose a fierce gale of wind... And the waves were breaking over the boat so that much of the boat, so that the boat was already filling up. Now, the thing I want you to see here, you see that word fierce? In the Greek language, uh, a Greek word is used that we get our, our word mega from. Mega. Great. Unusual. Powerful. So this was not an ordinary storm on the Sea of Galilee. This was a mega storm. But Jesus told the men, hey, we're going to the other side. Now, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I got to thinking about this. As I tried to insert myself into this story, into this boat with the disciples and the Lord Jesus, if I had been a disciple, I think I would have had a, a glimmer of hope regardless of, of the power of a storm that we happen to be going through because Jesus said we're going to the other side. Now look, if Jesus says you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. I promise you, you're going to the other side. Keep in mind that at least four men in this boat were professional fishermen. Four. At least four. And they knew the Sea of Galilee like the back of their hand. They had expertise with oars and sails and boats. They were professionals. Notice, Jesus was with them. Now, I'll tell you, I thought about what Mark said here. He said, other boats went with them. If I'd been in one of those other boats, I would have jumped in the, in, in the Sea of Galilee and tried to swim and get in the boat with Jesus, right? Jesus was with them. They had already seen his power demonstrated by, by casting out 
demons. They had seen his power demonstrated as he took a, a man who was paralyzed. Four friends brought him up on the roof, lowered him down before Jesus. Jesus forgave his sins, and Jesus told the paralytic, get up, roll up your mat, and go home. And they saw him get up and go home. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle. They, they saw Jesus confound the religious elite of his day with his teaching. They should have had complete confidence in the Lord Jesus. But I tell you, when you're in the middle of a storm, sometimes you lose sight of the obvious, don't you? They had not grasped the situation that Jesus had sovereign control over every situation, including nature. So the, the storm howled like a, like a demon, and the winds tore through the rigging and, churn, rigging and turn, churned the, the, the sea into a, a boiling cauldron. Waves were breaking over the side of the boat, and the disciples, can you picture them? They were taking their, their utensils, their, their cans, or whatever they had, and they were bailing water out of the boat. But they couldn't keep up. They were fighting a losing battle. You know, there's something about this mystery of the storms of life. The storms of life are unexpected. You never know when they're going to hit, do you? You never know when someone's going to die. You never know when you're going to lose a job. I mean, one email, and it says your identity has been hacked, and everything goes nuts in your life. One conversation, I want a divorce. One phone call, your dad just died. One meeting, you're fired. One doctor's visit, you've got stage four cancer. As followers of the Lord Jesus, we must learn to expect the unexpected. Now, let me say this. The time to prepare for a storm is before the storm, not during the storm. You say, how do I prepare, Pastor? Read your Bible, pray. Worship Jesus. Draw near to him. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. I tell you, the fact that Jesus was in that that boat was an amazing blessing for those men, whether they realized it or not. So the storms of life are mysterious in that they are unexpected. But they're also mysterious in that they are unexplained. Why does a son or daughter become addicted to pain-killing drugs? Why does a a good marriage fall apart? I want you to know that God does not have to explain himself to you or me. I promise you that. I believe those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus are, are very vulnerable in this area. In fact, Ron Dunn made this statement, and I quote, We believe that God owes us a special treatment and that life ought to be fair, at least a little bit, 
After all, if I'm a child of God, and if I'm striving to live for and honor him, I think God ought to take that into consideration. Ron Dunn said, really, when God starts passing out all the calamities of life, he ought to remember that I am his child. I feel I should get special treatment. Yet the psalmist is saying that the truth of the matter is that we oftentimes will look at the wicked and they seem to be getting along so well that we become envious of them. That leads to frustration and fretfulness. Here I am, I'm praying, I'm doing everything I know to do, and everything in my life is coming apart. Now I don't want you to miss this. The disciples encountered this mega storm. Their very lives were in danger, or so they thought. Not because they disobeyed Jesus, but because they obeyed Jesus. They got in the boat to take him to the other side. No one is exempt from the storms of life. I don't care who you are. I, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, how long you've served him, how, how, how developed you are as a believer. No one is exempt from the storms of life. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, the Bible says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when, not if, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Are you going through one of those unexpected and unexplained storms in your life this morning? Is your head spinning and is your heart breaking? The Holy Spirit inspired Mark to include this story in his gospel to remind you of something that's crucial in your life. And here it is. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Now, this is vital because of the mystery of life storms, but secondly, it's vital because of the mastery of life storms. Let's be honest. When the storm is whipping you around like a rag doll, you wonder how long this thing will last. Have you ever thought that? You're in the middle of a storm, and you get on your knees to pray, Lord, how long? How long are you going to allow this storm pummel me how long lord listen that's not the ultimate issue the ultimate issue is this do you know anyone in your life who has authority and power to overrule the storm that you're going through that's the ultimate issue and i'll tell you there was a man in the boat with those disciples who was not just a man he was the infinite God-man. He was fully God. He was fully man. And he had the power to overrule that storm in their lives. And as we dissect this story, I want you to see that the disciples exhausted every resource they had to overcome a boat that was filling with water, threatening them 
with death by drowning. And when they saw they had done everything they could, and it wasn't working, they turned to Jesus exclusively. And they experienced firsthand the peace of Jesus. Look at verse 38. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, now when they, they, they took the little boat, they had Jesus in the boat, and, and the disciples began to make their way across the Sea of Galilee. Maybe there were little ripples in the water. Maybe there was a soft evening breeze, and Jesus was so tired. He had expended a massive amount of emotional, physical, and spiritual energy in ministering to people. And he just went sound asleep in the stern of that little boat. And those little ripples became fierce waves as the, 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 the winds came through the, the gorges in the hills above the Sea of Galilee, and the, the, the sea became a, a seething cauldron of winds and waves, and, and they were being tossed to and fro, and the, the waves were lapping over the boat, and they couldn't keep up with it. But what was Jesus doing? He was asleep in the stern of that little boat. Can I tell you that what you see right here is the humanity of Jesus? Do you realize that it is just as much a heresy to reject the humanity of Jesus as it is to reject the deity of Jesus? Jesus is 100% man, and he is 100% God. And the fact that he is 100% man means that he can identify with our weaknesses and our hurts and our pains. So the disciples woke him up. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They were protesting against his apparent indifference. Now, and I listen, in the midst of a brutal, fierce megastorm in your life, have you ever secretly wondered, Jesus, do you have any idea what I'm going through? Jesus, do you care about me? Listen. I think this story illustrates for us that Jesus never panics in the midst of a storm. He doesn't panic in the midst of any storm that you go through in your life. He is Lord. He sits on the throne of glory. He has total authority and power. He is in control of your life. Believe me, he cares about you. And he knows exactly what you're going through this morning. And you can trust him. And when you trust him, I promise you, on the authority of the Word of God, he will give you his peace. 
In John 14, 27, Jesus said, I'll give you a peace that the world can never provide. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul wrote, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These men fixed their attention on Jesus and they experienced firsthand with their own eyes the peace of Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus was healing the paralytic? The Bible says that Jesus saw the men's faith. He saw the men's faith. I'm going to tell you, his disciples saw the peace of Jesus with their own eyes. But they experienced firsthand something else. Not only the peace of Jesus, but the power of Jesus. In Mark 4, 39, listen to this. I love this. And he got up. I can see Jesus being roused up out of a dead sleep, can't you? I mean, he's roused up. Maybe he, he, he's on one elbow. Maybe, maybe he is sitting in the stern of the boat now. Maybe he's even standing in the boat. We're, we're not sure. And, and the Bible says he rebuked the wind. Now, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. I, I believe there's almost something demonic about this storm. And I believe that the demons of hell were trying to destroy Jesus. Maybe they thought, hey, hey he's asleep. We can get him. We can get his disciples too. All in one fatal swoop, we can wipe out the whole bunch. How foolish the demons of hell are. Let me tell you, friend, Jesus knew he was going to die. But he knew he was not going to die at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. He was going to die on a cross. Because he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to reconcile sinful man to a holy God. And he was not worried in the least about the wind or the waves. But the Bible says he rebuked the wind. And then the Bible says this. And he said to the sea, hush, be still. Look at this. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. Now, do you remember earlier we talked in verse, let me find it here. Yeah, verse 37. Look at look verse 37 again. And there arose a fierce gale of wind. Underline that word fierce. It's that Greek word mega. Mega, great, unusual, not ordinary, great. And so it was a great storm. And then we see in verse 40, 39, excuse me, and the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. You see that word perfectly? It's the same word used in verse 37. It means mega calm. 
great calmness, unusual calmness, out of the ordinary calmness, all at the the voice and the command of the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the wind and the waves himself. Hush, be still. And I'm talking not in five minutes, not in three minutes, but instantly there was perfect calm on the Sea of Galilee. My goodness, what power. This is the first time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus' power is applied to a non-living object. His power over nature proved that he was God in the flesh. In fact, in Psalm 107, verse 29 and 30, listen to what the psalmist wrote. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet, so he guided them to their desired haven. Oh, my goodness. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, was incarnated, the psalmist wrote about exactly what happened here on the Sea of Galilee in that moment, and it proved that Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Now, here's a, a valuable lesson for us to learn. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. You say, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. You don't, you don't understand. Recently, I was talking with a dear lady whose husband stepped into eternity. And she said, Pastor, will I ever quit hurting? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. I'm telling you this. Jesus has the authority and power to overrule any storm that you're going through at the moment. He identifies with our weaknesses because he's fully man. He overrules our storms because he is God. I love what Oswald Chambers said. He said, beware of worshiping Jesus as a son of God and professing your faith in him as a savior of the world while you blaspheme him by the complete evidence in your daily life that he is powerless to do anything in and through you. What a rebuke from the pen of Oswald Chambers. God help us when we go through a storm. Let us never doubt the fact that Jesus knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly what we're going through. And he has the power to overrule any storm that he allows us to go through. The bottom line, we've got to learn to trust Jesus in the midst of our storms. Trust Jesus. This is vital because of the mystery of life storms and because of the mastery of life storms and finally because of the, number three, the ministry of life storms. I love what Dr. David Osborne said. 
He said too often we try to use God to change our circumstances while he is using our circumstances to change us. That's a good word, isn't it? The ministry of life. Why would, why would the living Christ allow members of his kingdom, children of God, to go through these ferocious, fierce, mega storms in their lives? Why would he do that? Well, he's got a purpose for it. What, what is the ministry of life storms? Well, first, it, it builds your faith in the Lord. Look at verse 40. And he said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? You, you see, the greatest danger for the disciples in that boat was not the fact that the, the winds were fierce and the waves were high and the boat was filling up. That's not their greatest danger. Their greatest danger lie, lay within their hearts, and it was a lack of faith in Jesus. Their unbelief caused their fear, and their fear made them question whether Jesus really cared or whether Jesus could even do anything about the storm that they were in and the danger that they face. The importance of faith can never be overemphasized. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So let me ask you, do you want to please Jesus? If you're in a storm today, do you want to please him? Trust him. If you really want to please him, trust him. Faith is taking Jesus at his word. Fear is surrendering to your circumstances. I want you to remember this statement. What happens to you in the storms of life is not near as important as what happens in you. You see, Jesus has a reason for allowing you to go through a storm. Whatever the cause of that storm, he has a reason for allowing you to go through it. He's doing something in your life. He's building your faith. And, and secondly, he builds your fear of the Lord. Look at verse 41. The Bible says, they became very much afraid and said to one another who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him you, you see they were still trying to wrap their minds around the identity of Jesus well we, we see later on in Mark chapter 8 Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to Jerusalem and he's going to be crucified and he's going to be resurrected again. And do you know what Peter has a gall to do? Peter has a gall to pull Jesus aside. Say, Lord, you're, you're not going to do that. I won't stand for you going to the cross. And you know what Jesus said to him? Get behind me, Satan. 
You, you see, these, these disciples were still in the developmental stage as believers. You know, I wish I could tell you that when you believe in Jesus, you can become instantaneously spiritually mature. That's not the way it works. That maturity in the spiritual realm happens over a period of time and through a, a series of circumstances that the Lord allows into our lives. Their fear of the Lord was not, was not driven by the storm here. Their fear of the Lord was driven by the calm, the perfect mega calm that enveloped the Sea of Galilee just like that. And I believe this was a evidence of a new sense of reverence for Jesus. They realized that his ways were infinitely higher than their ways, and his thoughts were infinitely higher than their thoughts. He was as different from them as, as the, the farthest star in the, in the universe. In Proverbs 1, 7, the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The word fear here is not referring to kind of a fear we have as a child when, we, when, when a thunderstorm is booming and rattling the, the, the house. That's not the kind of fear he's talking about. He's talking about reverence for Jesus. On May the 21st, 2008, Five-year-old Maria Sue Chapman ran into the path of Stephen Curtis Chapman's son as he was backing his SUV out the driveway. And she was hit. They rushed her to a hospital in Nashville. And she later died at that hospital. Five-year-old Maria. Stephen Curtis Chapman made this statement. He said, I have learned that we can control where we allow things that we can't understand to fall. They either fall between us and God and we become angry, or we allow these things to fall outside of us and press us in closer to God. Are you going through a storm right now? an unexpected, unexplained storm in your life. you got a choice to make. You can choose to resist any attempt of the enemy to take that storm in your life and to place it between you and God and to drive you further from God and more angry at God every single day day that the storm lasts. You can reject that. You can choose with the help of the Holy Spirit of God to cause that event, that circumstance in your life to fall outside of you and to press you into Jesus and get you closer to Jesus and to make you love Jesus and to experience his presence and his power and his peace like you've never experienced it before. So many of you watching live stream, watching our TV ministry, 
you're going through a storm. And your life is rocking and reeling, and you wonder if you can possibly make it through the storm. Can I tell you? You can make it through the storm. But I'm telling you this. You must trust Jesus. You must trust him. When you can't trace the hand of God, you can always trust the heart of God. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's trying to produce in your life. And you must trust him. Trusting him is so vital because of the mystery of life storms, the mastery of life storms, and the ministry of life storms. i, I got to be honest with you. As I was thinking about this story, I mentioned earlier, I would hate to have been one of those guys in the other boats. And I want to be in the boat with Jesus, don't you? I've often thought this. I've dealt with a lot of pain and suffering and storms in people's lives. I've dealt with my own storms in my own life. And I've often thought, as I try to minister to somebody who's not a believer, as I try to minister to somebody who has no hope whatsoever, I don't want to face a storm without Jesus. And if you're listening to me today, I pray in the name of Jesus that the Spirit of God would drop the seed of the gospel in your heart. And I pray that you realize that without Jesus, you're toast, not only in this life, but in the next life. And how I pray today that the Holy Spirit of God would take the good news that we've sung about today, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. He died on a cross for your sins. He was raised from the dead so you could be justified before a holy and righteous God. And I hope and pray that today, if you've never received him as your Savior and Lord, that you would humble yourself before him. And you would say to the Lord Jesus, Lord, I can't make it. I'll never get to the other side without your help. And I pray today that you would repent of your sin and you would trust Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. In fact, I'm going to ask our staff and Les and the praise team to come. And, and we're getting ready to have a, a time of response where we respond to what the Holy Spirit has said and done in our hearts and our lives today. So if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you come to one of our staff members. We're here to help you. We're here to share the gospel with you. I also want to say this, if, if you're going through a storm today and you're a believer, I want you to know in your heart, Jesus is going to get you to the other side. 
I promise you, he's going to get you to the other side. He's going to get you to a point where you see a light at the end of the tunnel. And that light is not going to be a train. That light is going to be the glory of Jesus. I'll tell you, he's going to get you through. He's going to help you. He's going to be there for you. But you've got to trust him. Some of you are, are in the midst of a storm. You're having trouble trusting him right now. You're a believer, but you're having trouble trusting. I want to invite you to come to the altar and just humble yourself before him. Bow the knee to Jesus and pray to him and say, Lord, would you help me to trust you today? Help me. If you want one of our staff members to pray for you, you're going through a storm, they'll be glad to pray for you. Trust Jesus. That's the one thing that literally leapt out of this story for me as I studied this week. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would move with supernatural power. Pray, Lord, that somebody, whether at home through the television ministry, live stream, in the fellowship hall, or in this room, that somebody would repent of their sin and believe in Jesus and be saved. And Lord, I pray that some believer who's struggling in the midst of their own storm, I pray that today, Lord, that you would take the truth of the Word of God and you would minister to their hearts and help them to see hope where there's only been hopelessness. Oh, God, thank you for Jesus. We love you, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. You sing and come as God leads you.